0: Hey there, my name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor-in-chief at Nation's Restaurant News, bringing you a very special edition of the Extra Serving podcast. In June, we published NRN's Top 500 list, giving you a definitive look at restaurant chain performance in 2020. We partnered with Data Central and its Firefly 500 platform on this year's Top 500, and it is chock full of insights that can help you benchmark your own brand's performance and strategize for the year ahead. Now, to dig in just a little bit deeper on how brand brands fared in 2020, we've been providing you with exclusive interviews with leaders from brands that defied the odds by growing in 2020. These snapshots of success give you exclusive access to the winning strategies that are helping restaurant companies navigate uncharted waters. And hopefully they're going to provide you with some ideas for tackling the challenges that you face in your own business. Stay tuned for more snapshots of success in the weeks and months ahead as we explore what exactly went right for those brands that closed 2020 with positive stories to tell also be sure to head to nrn.com slash 2021 top 500 that's nrn.com slash 2021 top 500 to catch up on all of our snapshots of success and to catch the rest of our top 500 coverage which includes a robust data package with sales and unit count information for the nation's top 500 chain restaurants and now let's roll into today's snapshots of success interview from nrn's 2021 top 500
1: Hi, this is Brett Thorne, Senior Food and Beverage Editor of Nation's Restaurant News, speaking with Chris Cromelis, CEO of Rock and Roll Sushi. Chris Cromelis, please uh, tell the audience about Rock and Roll Sushi and what you guys did last year.
2: All right. Well, you know, we um, like everybody, we were pretty frightened when the pandemic started to really set in and we didn't know what that new reality would be. Um but we have a um, really resilient franchise system, and they made the adjustments that they needed to make. They started to really focus on the three PD delivery services. Uh, really cranked up the online ordering, you know, through our POS platforms, and then um, you know had to even dig in there and do some family style meals, things that weren't on our menu, things that we just had to create on the fly, as it were, mm-hmm. and uh, just find those new service needs that the pandemic created. Uh, People weren't out, they couldn't come into the restaurants and we had to get the food to them. So, you know, we started to see this, you know, the sale decline, right? Mm -hmm. But then we started to kind of see it you know, level out and then kind of come up. And then before we knew it, we were actually comping over previous year and we believe a lot of that was some of our competition didn't make the pivot as quickly as our franchise system did. Um, I think you saw in our industry, or where we are in sushi slash hibachi, um, some of our competition were just closed altogether. Um, many of our, uh, the places that are um, our competitors in the markets are the big hibachi houses, right? And the hibachi tables were closed, but they also have sushi. Well, that's good, that was gone. Um, and then you also had more of, you know, maybe mom and pop sushi joints that weren't able to pivot as quickly or didn't have the three PDs already set up and locked and loaded. And we already did. So it was just really a matter of making sure the franchisees that weren't on the three PDs quickly got there and understood that, yeah, there's a little bit that you're going to give in commission, but it was, you know, became a necessity.
1: Uh, And in, in the Southeast, were there also a lot of uh, delivered cocktails or, or not so much? You know, not
2: so much. I mean, we did, we did some, you're talking on the bar side, right? Yeah. 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 A bar just isn't really a big percentage of our sales, even on the dine in. It's there, but it's not, um, it's, it doesn't define who we are. Uh, Some of our locations obviously are stronger in the bar area. Um, I have one personally in Little Rock, Arkansas, that's in an entertainment district downtown with a, you know, the bar is a big feature in the restaurant. In many of our uh, franchise locations, the bar is there, but it's not, you know, like heavily featured as an attraction.
1: So, what what is the the idea behind Rock and Roll Sushi? You got you got rock and roll, you got sushi, you yeah. got grilled meat, also grilled fish. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. What's, so what's the whole deal?
2: Okay, well, this, here's the secret sauce. It's uh-huh. taking food, um, sushi. And it's making it approachable to folks that maybe didn't go eat sushi before. Maybe they didn't know enough about it. Or maybe the sushi uh, uh, restaurant in their area was a little more high-end. Maybe felt a little pretentious to them. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable not knowing about the menu and feeling like they didn't look educated on it. Or more of a mom-and-pop traditional sushi place where maybe there's a little bit of a language barrier. You know, there's something there where it's just not as approachable. Right. And what the founders did, and this is the magic, is they made this, um, they took sushi and they brought it to those people and made it approachable. You add the rock and roll and you add the the rolls the way we do them, where we will fry some and we'll bake some. So for, an, for a person that's looking for the more traditional sushi, we've got it. We've got the sashimi, the nigiri, we've got the rolls that aren't fried and all that. But for the person that maybe thinks, well, I don't like it because I don't, you know i don't do raw fish right well all right we'll get you in so what i'm seeing is i became a franchisee first i kind of fell into this role backwards this was this was not my intention the opportunity found me i was a franchisee in little rock uh opened in the middle of the pandemic scared to death i mean just couldn't believe what i jumped into with both feet but i opened uh, end of last may and by the end of july i had opened my second location once again not planned just real estate fell on my lap and I couldn't turn it down. And I already saw what Rock and Roll Sushi was doing on the 3PD delivery and just the brand. And I was starting to get the magic. I was starting to see that, you know, these people were coming in for an experience. It's sushi experience,
0: really.
1: And and it sounds like you were already in the restaurant industry. Were you already in the restaurant industry?
2: Yeah, I was. For uh, 17 years, I was an area developer with uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Mm-hmm. So I developed um, 33 restaurants in Arkansas and Oklahoma.
1: So why? What was it about rock and roll sushi that that appealed to you? Well,
2: so I had taken a break, and I have a friend that I work with on another project, and he knew, you know, my background with restaurant, and he was like, "Hey, you need to meet my brother. They're doing this cool thing and rock, called rock and roll sushi." And I said, "I don't know. I don't know anything, you know, about the sushi business. I come from wraps and smoothies." You know, that's my, you know, that's what I did. And, you know, I I don't want to talk about that. And he just kind of kept bringing it up. And he was like, hey, no, they've got this sushi place in Alabama. And I always joke about it because I'm like, well, now I know you're crazy because those that doesn't make any sense. Right.
1: Mobile, (laughs) Alabama sushi.
2: Right. But the more I dug into it and then he got me interested, I was like, well, wait a minute. These guys are doing this in Alabama. Why don't I test it in Arkansas? Because, you know, it's really this. They're very similar. Mm-hmm. The state's are, just one has a really, really good football team. And, <laughs> um, and uh, I took it to Little Rock because I'm from that area. I know a lot of people. I have a team there that I'd worked with for years, and they were looking for something. So uh, we jumped on that uh, in Little Rock, and, yeah, it works.
1: And you opened in May of last year.
2: The very end of May, where we were 33% seating, and, you know, just it was tough.
1: For yeah, period, why? why on earth did you do that?
2: Well, you know, I already you the the in your
1: lap, I guess,
2: yeah. I already signed the lease. I mean, you uh, know, the, you know, we were under construction, and then you know, the pandemic hit. I mean, it hit pretty quick, right? It was like, bam, and then there, there it was on us, and then there's really no turning back at that point. And like I said, I was seeing the trend line already change, so I wasn't, you know, totally freaking out at that point. I thought, okay, all right, they They've figured this out, and and you know look i built my first thing with just a ton of hard work so that's that's how you do it you just work a
1: lot and now you're you're ceo of Rockin' and sushi that's correct yeah how, how did that happen
2: yeah that's a pretty good story too so the that's founder, why we're here the founder of uh tropical smoothie cafe eric jenrich is also a friend of mine and we live close to each other in the panhandle of florida So um, he's formed what's called Bold Brands and Bold Brands owns Island Wing Company, uh, a new startup that it has controlling interest called Taco T-A-K-K-O. And then uh, when I was doing rock and roll sushi, he got interested and said, what are you doing? And I went through the whole spiel, right? Sushi, Alabama, well, you're crazy. And then, you know, and then I had opened the store in Little Rock, so able to share our successes there. And that's when he got really interested and thought, well, maybe Bold Brands will buy um, Controlling interest, and he struck up a deal with the founders. Bold Brands did pick it up, and he said, "But here's the kicker: I need you to run it." <laughs> and I was oh. like, "Okay, okay." So that you know, that's how I fell into the the opportunity kind of backwards. But I think it does make sense. I think I really do understand the brand. I get it. Um, I really like it. I'm very, very passionate about it, and I think it's got amazing potential. So I am excited to take on this role. That. Like I said, I'm a franchisee first. That's what I've always done. I've always been on the other side of the table of the CEO, right?
1: right?
2: So now it actually has a lot of benefit because when I sit and talk to a franchisee and you have some of those uncomfortable conversations about certain topics, I'm like, Hey man, I'm you. Right. I've, been a, I've been you for my whole career. I'm not this, you know, don't look at me at like this corporate, you know, corporate can have that bad connotation. Oh, he's with corporate. I'm like, man, that's, that's, not, that's not in my DNA. That's who I'm, you know, I represent you because I still am a franchisee. I own two Rock and Roll Sushi's in Little Rock, one in Tallahassee, and I have two more leases signed in each of those towns. So I'll be a multi-unit, five-unit franchisee owner by the
1: end of the year. And you still live in Tallahassee?
2: No, I actually live in, it's called Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. So I'm between like Panama City and Destin.
1: So still still the panhandle, and Correct. so you, you have frequent flyer miles going back and forth to Little Rock, or how does that work?
2: Well, Little Rock, Arkansas home. I still, uh, you know, my family lives there and friends, and we go back all the time. So that's still, even though I'm here, I go back to Arkansas quite often.
1: Well, and you have a couple restaurants to run too, so that's important. I do, yeah, yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But I've got a great team in Arkansas. Couldn't do it without those guys and girls.
1: So how, how many Rock and Roll Sushi locations are there now? Uh, we opened number 48 today. My goodness. Yeah, so you just the- keep opening because I think at the end of the year you were at 44. So you just keep on
2: rolling. We do, we do. We do. We've got Gainesville, Florida opening today. We've got Pensacola, Florida. Beulah is the name of the area, but people will know it as Pensacola next week. Um, and then we're, we're shooting to open another you know, 15 by the end of the
1: year. Wow, and how? What What are the, like the popular menu items at Rock and Roll Sushi? I'm thinking of, tempura. Do you have have a lot of tempura?
2: We do, we do. Uh, but I would say the VIP roll, which is you know you can get it baked or fried, but it's gonna have the shrimp tempura and the tuna and topped topped with to crab meat, and it's just delicious and some amazing sauces on top. But my personal favorite is the punk rock roll, and the punk rock roll. What what separates it is on top we put this uh, blend of jalapeno, mango, um, cucumber, and uh, I'm missing one ingredient, but it's this like savory, sweet, spicy topping with a couple sauces on that, and it's just it's it's an amazing sushi roll.
1: So that's Sounds what I would
2: say if, if you came into a rock and roll sushi, I'd put a punk rock roll right in front of you, right out of the gate.
1: Does that topping look a little bit like a mohawk? It does. So that's there you go. Oh,
2: strawberries, there it was. When you said mohawk, I thought red, and that's the final uh, ingredient in that topping is chopped up strawberries.
1: Wow, you and I are vibing.
2: Yeah, how about that?
1: Um, so what you? how did customers adjust to having sushi delivered to their homes, because that's not usual
2: you know they it figured it easy, out i'll just tell you it was an easy transition i think that one thing i know i did right off the bat when i opened up my store in little rock is i really took a hard look at the packaging and i made some adjustments right off you know we just spent more money on our packaging in little rock you know i'm a big believer in if if the system is this and you can make it better do it right and, you know don't go the other way And uh, there just really wasn't a packaging program. So we put it in what people expect to see sushi in instead of, you know, because delivery wasn't a huge part of it, right? Right. So a lot of the folks were just using like a styrofoam container or, plastic, you know, just a a standard something you might pick up like a Costco or a Sam's, right? Mm -hmm. And we just didn't want to do it that way. It's a beautiful product. And we wanted to present it that way at delivery as well. Because you eat with your eyes and with delivery, you do as well
1: yeah especially with sushi, so is it is it the sort of that that dark sort of black plastic with the clear top that yeah. that I yeah. can pick up here in Brooklyn at my convenience store I can get right right it.
2: right right, yeah, that really displays it
1: uh, nicely that's that's cool and what what other adjustments did they have to make i mean were were you guys affected from a profit perspective because you had all these third party delivery expenses, new packaging et cetera
2: yeah, I mean, the packaging was definitely it costs money. I mean, a delivery customer costs more money than than full service, especially with the commissions that um, you're paying to the, the you know third party delivery. I mean, we went out there and engaged with all of the third party deliveries and really tried to work on some better rates because we had multiple brands, and we were able to leverage that and get our commission rates you know at an acceptable level. And then we have to add a little bit of, you know, juice on there when we sell to the customer. We've got to get it back. We can't be, we can't do that amount of delivery where we were 60, 40, 60% delivery, 40%, you know, dine in or pickup
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and pay those commissions. We've got to offset it somewhere.
1: And were your customers okay with that? It seems like during the pandemic, people, you know, if they were ordering delivery, they understood that, you know, nothing's free.
2: There has been zero pushback on the prices being more, on delivery than in-store, zero pushback. I think, I think they understand.
1: Well, and you mentioned that you have a, a strong franchise team. What do you think is is great about your franchisees? You know, the
2: the a lot of times when you're where we are under 50 units, right? So much of the growth was organic because the founders, they've gotta be hustlers. It's a really good story. It's this, you know, husband, wife team that, just had this idea in Mobile, Alabama, and they worked super, super hard at it. Uh, they figured it out, they, this, the combination of the sushi and the, the rock and roll and the rock videos playing in there, all I mean, the nostalgia is off the charts. And um, because it was contagious and grew organically through like their friend group or people, customers would come in. I mean, they didn't have a budget, right? They weren't going out selling franchises people were wanting to open up rock and roll sushis in the geographical region and they kind of grew out from Mobile. And that's why the, the the main density is in Alabama because they did, they grew kind of up into the state. And um, because you have those people and you've got that, or those early adopters, they have to work twice as hard because the systems are not created. The systems are created at that stage when it's, you know, this wasn't like, you know, a group that had four other concepts and they pop this one out and everything's polished. You know, the great ideas come from within when you're when you're really figuring it out um, organically. So because of that, you've got a very resilient, passionate group of franchisees that have put so much hard work into this thing. They're the reason that we keep opening units. 100 percent. Because they
1: want to. open. So you're you're. It's not so much adding new franchisees as it is the existing franchisees opening more locations. That's
2: what it's been. And that's what really opened my eyes, too, when I started to get interested. I just, I went to their first convention, and they had every franchisee but one show up. I've never seen that before. Right. I mean, these people are dedicated. They love some rock and roll sushi. So that, um, it's a fun brand. And And let's they're, they're a big part of it.
1: And let's give credit to the founders who were Lance and Jerry Mock Hallmark. Is that right? That's right. Yes.
2: Yeah. They're
1: an awesome dynamic duo. And, uh, and are they done now? Have you, have you, are they, did they buy a mansion in the yacht after, after they were purchased? Or?
2: Well, maybe, maybe. But they also just uh, reopened a new – so they purchased a store in Nashville, uh-huh. and today is their uh, re-grand opening. Oh, great, yeah, so Lance and Jerry, you know it's it's pretty interesting they you know they complete the sale, and then right off the bat, they're like, "We want to develop Tennessee, so they have opened a store in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this year. They just purchased and reopened Nashville downtown by Vanderbilt today. uh they have one, two, three, four more that are in lease or signed lease already in the nashville market Wow, so they have all they have not disappeared, they are one hundred percent committed. And they are really excited about the Nashville market and Tennessee overall.
1: That's, that's great. And so this brand was sort of, it was young enough and small enough to be rebranded during the pandemic or not rebranded, but re- reworked, taken over by a different company and, and then sort of adjusting to the times so that they could roll with it, sounds like.
2: Yeah. And I think we brought in, you know, we brought in a tremendous amount of experience and leveraging the, you know, with Island Wing. Island Wing may only be at nine units, but it's been, you know, that, that brand was created, you know, probably eight, nine years ago, and they're big units. You know, they're eight to 10,000 square foot, you know, sports bar type um, joints. So because of all our experience with Tropical Smoothie and Island Wing, we're able to bring these resources in for rock and roll sushi that they just didn't have. So for us, we already had the systems, so it's really just coming in, understanding Rock and Roll Sushi and then bringing all these resources that we already know how to put together and, and, and make this more of a turnkey experience. Because moving forward, that's what you'll get, you know, with Rock and Roll Sushi, because that's what people want, right? As you really scale and grow, they want to pop in there and they've got everything from the moment they onboard till they turn the key on day
1: one. Right. Otherwise, they they'd develop their own concept.
2: Boom. Exactly. So are you planning on expanding beyond the southeastern Texas? Oh, yeah, definitely. So we've signed a deal in Nevada. Oh. Where uh, Nevada will, and starting in Vegas. I mean, rock and roll in Vegas. Makes Come sense. On, baby. Yeah, we've got an amazing partner there that um, we know through our um, years of working, you know, together in other projects. That uh, that's, that's what's great, too. We've got so many relationships in the industry that we're really going to be um, selective of who joins Rock and Roll Sushi because we, you know, we want to protect this brand and do it right. And we've got some great partners out there that are jumping in with us right now. Um, we're looking to expand in the Phoenix market, um, hopefully by Q4, you know, Q1 for sure of next year. Um, and then, yeah, the rest seems to be still Southeast, Orlando, Tampa. Uh, those are some of the markets so we're growing strong in Atlanta right now. We've got a great developer there.
1: Great. And are there any uh, company owned restaurants or is it all franchised? all franchise. Great. Well, Chris Cromelis, congratulations on having a good year, having a new business yeah. for yourself yeah. and a new job. Yeah. It seems, it seems like the the pandemic's been okay for you. Hey, I always, I mean,
2: I can't complain. 2020 was, and I know it was, it was tough. I get of it. Course. But When I look back and just, you know, but Hey, when I open Tropical Smoothie and I'll end on this just to tell sure. you this, cause I think it's a trend for me. Just, I have to do it the hard way. The first tropical smoothie I opened, I opened in the middle of an ice storm in Little Rock, Arkansas.
1: Oh, Chris, that's hard. Uh,
2: yeah, I opened a smoothie joint in an ice storm. So I think this is just the way I do things.
1: And you opened it in a city that doesn't have a lot of ice storms. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
2: Exactly. So, I've got so, to do it the hard way.
1: Well, you know, if you, if you can handle it during the hard times, then during the easier times. That's what I'm thinking. Then rock and roll. Rock and roll. With some place like Rock and Roll Sushi. That's it.